Hi, this is John, by the way, and I'm looking at Matthew 21 through 23. This is the Come Follow Me curriculum for May 15th through 21st. And I just want to mention a couple of things that we didn't mention on our larger podcast, the one I do with Hank Smith called Follow Him. One of the things that we didn't talk about in Matthew 21 was this really interesting and short parable of the two sons. And I don't know why this is so intriguing to me, but it it kind of is. So he was addressing the chief priests and the elders of the people, and this happened when he was coming to the temple. So the chief priests and elders had the appearance of being very religious, and, and they were as far as practicing rituals and things like that, but they did not accept the authority of John the Baptist. And Jesus taught this parable to affirm the authority and the testimony of John the Baptist and to rebuke those who would not accept John's authority. So here's the parable, and it's short. It's like verses 28 through 31 of Matthew 21. But what think ye, Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go to work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. (laughs) And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them twain, or whither of those two, did the will of his father, they say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, Woo, here's the, the point. Verily I say unto you, this is like an entrapment parable, isn't it? Because they just said, they just answered the question and they passed that verdict on themselves. Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. So what's the point? Well, the publicans and the harlots were the ones who were not keeping the commandments, but now are repenting and following Jesus. So they're like the son who said no and then repented and went. As you know, Jesus was often criticized by the scribes and Pharisees for associating with sinners. They would say, this man receives sinners, he eats with them. But many of these sinners, however, were listening to Jesus's message, repenting of their sins and becoming disciples. So these are compared with the first son in the parable, who at first did not obey, but afterward repented. But these chief priests and elders of the people, by contrast, made a show of their righteousness, but they, in Jesus' words, neglected the poor, omitted more important matters like mercy and faith, and Jesus rebuked their feigned goodness with cutting clarity in his scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites speech, which is coming up in Matthew 23. So this group is compared with the second son who said, I go, sir, but went not. So the key was not the people's position in society or their outward appearance. The key was the state of their hearts. Now, as you know, and you've probably been watching The Chosen, and if you're like me, Matthew is one of my favorite characters. The publicans or tax collectors who often took a commission were despised by the Jews. And, you know, some even said, you, you don't, you're not really house of Israel anymore. You've lost that because you're, you're helping our, our, I was going to say captors, but you're helping, you're helping the Romans, those who are occupying our land. Harlots sold themselves for money. However, some among these two groups were convicted in their hearts of their own sinfulness and were therefore more fitted for heaven than those who are self-righteous. So Jesus gives a clarifying verse right after the parable that is vital 
to the parable's correct interpretation. So after he gives this, notice how much has to do with John the Baptist. So here's Matthew 21, 32. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. Now, one of the things, this is a really great edition of the JST. So let me read that. Matthew 21, verses 33 and 34 from the Joseph Smith translation. And as we talked before, the JST, we call it the Joseph Smith translation, but is it really restoring ancient text? Well, maybe sometimes it is, but maybe sometimes it's more of a prophetic clarification. So maybe we call it the JSC, (laughs) the Joseph Smith clarification. But whichever one this is, listen to this, JST Matthew 21, verses 33 and 44. For he that believed not John concerning me cannot believe except he first repent. And except you repent, the preaching of John shall condemn you in the day of judgment. So you can see that taking John and Jesus together was kind of a package deal. If you accept John the Baptist, you have to accept Jesus Christ. And if you accept Jesus Christ, you have to accept the prophets who testify of him. And as I've probably said before, boy, John the Baptist, he's spoken of in all of the Gospels. He reaches across dispensations. He was there in Old Testament time. Now he's in the New. He showed up in the Restoration to restore the Aaronic Priesthood. And I I hope that when we call him John the Baptist, we're not minimizing that part, just a Baptist. He was John the Prophet Baptist, maybe we could say. So, what do we do with this parable of the two sons? And I'm reading now from my my book of Pigs, Pearls, and Prodigals about the parables. I'm reading on page 71. So, which son am I? This is a more difficult question than it might appear. Some may say, I'm neither one. Why isn't there a third son who says, I will go, and keeps his word? Perhaps it's because none of us would fit in that category perfectly because... As it says in the book of Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. But hopefully, we're now in the vineyard and we're continually repenting and trying to improve. So in that way, we're like the first son. On the other hand, it's pretty easy to dress up in our Sunday best and look religious and be really busy doing church stuff, but forgetting to be charitable. I like what Elder Gerald Cousset said, are we thriving in the gospel or are we just busy at church or something like that? So, if we forget to be charitable, we continue to to gossip, to pass judgments, to question others' motives, then it's as if our spiritual rebirth had never happened. So, if following God were only about looking the part and learning the laws of the gospel, then we could go build a lodge in the mountains and hide from all these sinners, you know, lock ourselves in a room and, and just pray and memorize scriptures all day. But the only problem with that idea, and there's a certain appeal to that, you know, you see what's going on in the world, (laughs) let's start our own city somewhere and get away from all this and we'll have no Wi-Fi or social media intruding. You can see the appeal of that. The only problem is that it's impossible to be truly righteous without serving others. And you can't love your neighbor if you're hiding from them because they're unclean or you, you perceive that. So if we're focused on the rules to the exclusion of serving others, We might be like the second son, who said he would go live the gospel, but didn't do it. 
So perhaps it's possible to be a little bit like both sons. It's vital to be obedient to the laws and ordinances of the gospel, but also remember the baptismal covenant, which so much in the Book of Mormon teaches us it involves our relationship with others. So when Alma the Elder you know, took those who believed Abinadi out to the waters of Mormon, he asked them, are you willing to come into the fold of God and to be called his people? Are you willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light? Are you willing to mourn with those that mourn, to comfort those who stand in need of comfort? And notice that baptism has a focus on others, not just ourselves. We even have a little song, always reminds me of President Thomas S. Monson when I hear this song because I think he modeled this so well. Have I done any good in the world today? Have I helped anyone in need? Have I cheered up the sad or made someone feel glad? If not, I have failed indeed. So another way to apply this parable is to remember exactly what Jesus was teaching the chief priests and the elders. John the Baptist was a great prophet, but they wouldn't accept his baptism or his authority. So a sister Sherry Dew has written, if we don't listen to the prophet, we might as well not have one. She said that in her book, No Doubt About It. And I thought, what a short but profound statement. If we're not listening, then what's the use of having a prophet? We're just taking it for, for granted or worse. We're ignoring it. It's right in our presence. So the chief priests were in, were in the presence of not just a great prophet, John the Baptist at one time, but also the Son of God, Jesus. But they got no benefit from either because their hearts were hardened. So here we have a living prophet in our presence. So maybe the Savior would ask us, the authority of President Nelson, is it of heaven or of men? As with the two sons, the most important answer is not in our words, but in our actions. I'm talking to myself too here. So I really like the parable of the two sons, as we've got to figure out which one am I acting like if I become mean and selfish or stingy or judgmental. We don't want to be like the first son who said, I go, and then never did. And another parable that comes up in here, or another, another thing I want to talk about that I find fascinating, that I never understood as a kid, was this, this phrase that Jesus used. We know the triumphal entry is here, where people waved palm branches and threw their garments in the way. And, and I love Matthew 21, verse 10. The whole city was moved saying, who is this? <laughs> It reminds me of Christmas and the hymn, What Child Is This? So let me go to this other phrase that I thought was so interesting. So if we skip ahead to Matthew 23, I just feel like ever since Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's still preaching the Sermon on the Mount, talking about it's not just outer things, it's a higher inner law. So Matthew 23, 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Okay, there's an outward thing that happened, but what are the weightier matters? Judgment. And when you see judgment in the scriptures, it's always righteous judgment. It's, it's justice. Judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Verse 24, ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, I remember reading that as a kid and going, what is that? I mean, it made me laugh. You strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. And I thought it meant 
strain, like, like a muzzle strain, you know, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, just kind of this hyperbole of you're worried about a gnat, but you swallow an entire camel. Well, what I didn't realize was a little thing in the Law of Moses about unclean animals. So, quoting from the Religion 211 212 New Testament Student Manual, and this is something everybody has on your Gospel Library app, because it's a, it's a church publication, so it's free on your library app, which is a great resource. Under, I think you have to go to adults and then go to like young adults and find institute. It's an institute manual. This is what I teach out of, I use as a resource. It's so good. This is what it says about Matthew 23, 24, straining at a gnat and swallow a camel. This was a reference to the practice of some Jewish leader who carefully strained their drinking water. Uh, okay, to avoid mistakenly swallowing the smallest of unclean animals. So you're straining your water to get out specks of dirt or maybe a gnat. Yet they would symbolically swallow a camel, the largest of unclean animals. That's what it says in the student manual on page 69. So Jesus is saying, obviously, you are paying attention to these tiny points of the law, but missing the whole point. You're swallowing a camel, which is also an unclean animal. So he continues, verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within... They are full of extortion and excess. Now, remember again, Sermon on the Mount. Have you heard it said of all this, but I say this. Everything was outside and observable when Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount with those antithesis things. There's a thesis and antithesis. You've heard it said of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say, don't even lust in your heart. He, it, it was a higher law and it was an inner law on the inside. So you're cleaning the outside of a cup, but the inside is gross. Verse 26, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Another example, verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, ye are like unto whited sepulchers. A sepulcher is a burial chamber or a whitewashed tomb, it says in the footnotes which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Incredible sermon and very strongly worded what Jesus was giving them. And one of the things I wanted, to, wanted you to see is when he first cleansed the temple, he said, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And then in today's lesson, Matthew 21, verse 13, it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. He calls it my father's house. Here, my house. And then let's go to the last couple of verses here of Matthew 23. 
verse 37 and 38. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. So you chose not to be gathered. Now listen, verse 38. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. It went from my father's house to my house to now it's your house is left unto you desolate. And then he even prophesies of the temple in Matthew 24, which is not part of this lesson. But he says in verse 2, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. This was the greatest structure they knew about. But he told them it would be destroyed. And that happened in in 70 AD after Jesus was gone. And that comes up in another lesson. So I hope this has been helpful for you today. I remember one time as a kid when my dad asked us to do something and we didn't or we put it off and he taught us this little parable, which is so funny, about the two sons. So let's try to be the second son. We acknowledge that we need the Savior. We acknowledge that we make mistakes. But we come to Christ, and because we come to Christ, we look with compassion and mercy and charity upon our friends and neighbors who are also like the second son, who are also sinners, but they're trying. They're coming to Christ. Jesus looked with them on compassion, and we can do the same. So there's a few extra thoughts for your lesson this week, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time. 